Hey friends, Ashton Gustafson here, and welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. My senses are today, uh, we're going to have a new friend joining us. Um, I have recently uh, come across her work in the world, and um, even before the call here, I said, hey Lisa, I, I feel like you and I swim in similar waters. Um, and uh, she seconded that notion. And so uh, with, with that being said, I'm super excited today to introduce our community here at Good, True, and Beautiful to Lisa Cologne DeLay. Had a book come out not long ago uh, called The Wild Land Within. She's a, um, my senses are, a fellow mystic on the contemplative path, uh, curiously up to, or cu- curiously wondering what goodness, truth, and beauty is up to in the world, probably like we are. And uh, so with that being said, I'm jumping all over a bio for you, Lisa, uh, but welcome to the podcast. It is really fun to be here. I have listened to your program on and off for quite a few years, so this is quite an honor, and uh, I'm sure we'll have an enjoyable time talking with each other. Yeah, right on. Well, um, thank you for being a part of our community over the years, and I'm super excited uh, to have you here today. As you know, I kind of begin every one of these calls or these these interviews with this question of like, when you introduce yourself and your work in the world, you know, where do you begin? So I'll I'll throw that your way. When when you say, this is what Lisa's up to in the world, where, where do you begin? Well, I'm someone who focuses on spiritual formation for myself and uh, in terms of the work that I'm most passionate about, and that includes transformation and growing in Christ-likeness. Um, went to seminary for graduate degree, master's degree in spiritual formation. Really, that means I enjoy helping people find wholeness and healing, which is something I have journeyed to find mm. myself. Um, I also enjoy disrupting empire Christianity and white-centered solutions that sometimes become normative for us in the United States. And I do that by teaching and spiritual companioning and writing. I do a weekly podcast called Spark My Muse for a little over seven years now. And that's kind of what I'm up to. Yeah, right on. Beautiful. So you you mentioned, uh, and these are words that are home here for our community, uh, uh, wholeness, healing, um, and my senses are that in that formation uh, that you've become a student of over the years, that you probably have some daily practices or disciplines or rituals that help keep you grounded, help keep you centered, help when the waves of life come your way, maintain that peaceful order in the midst of the disorder. Um, talk to me about some of your personal practices that you find uh, to be helpful in your wholeness and healing. Sure. Well, as a point of disclosure, full disclosure, I was a pastor's kid and my dad was a fundamentalist Southern Baptist minister. So I came from a a fairly rigid um, worldview, but also in terms of spiritual practices, it was read your Bible, go to church, pray. And it was kind of a, a certain ways of understanding those things about understanding prayer as communication with God Um, through words. And so as I read a lot more of Christian history, global Christianity and Christian history, I learned that there are many ways to communicate with God and sometimes not through words, Mm. uh, sometimes through silence and silence is also a language. And so what really gave me a lot of refreshment were some of these earlier prayer and devotional practices, and they still do enrich my life every single day that I was more unfamiliar with 
they brought more refreshment and rest to me than these sort of what became performance-based Christian practices for me. Um, so they kind of disrupted my wanting to perform and be a good girl for God kind of mentality that I had imposed on myself. So I'd say that every day I do something which is sometimes called prayer of the heart. So it is really um, just opening myself in silence and and kind of awaiting restfulness um, in silence. You could maybe imagine it as like sitting on the lap of God mm. in, um, in, the, in the bosom of God. There isn't any expectation to do anything or say anything. It's just kind of knowing that I'm my beloved's and God is mine. And that's, that's the extent of it. But it's kind of getting, um, Dr. Howard Thurman would call it centering down. Mm -hmm. And I love I love that. He said um, how good mean... how good it is to center down is what he said. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Exactly. And and it doesn't mean that your actual world is silent. You can do this even in a traffic jam or your kids mm. are screaming in the background and you can still center down um, because sometimes your world is noisy and chaotic, but you can still find a few minutes to center down. And I've really needed to be able to do that. I um, also really enjoy a guided devotional that is like a pray as you go. There's an app called pray as you go, and it yep. kind of guides you through a little meditation and that helps if my mind is going to wander, it's a reading of scripture and then some reflection questions. And then um, maybe like picture yourself in this scripture reading with being with Jesus in the uh, in the storm or, or whatever it might be. And then reading the scripture again. And that just kind of is a, a also another very centering, grounding practice that keeps me uh, in the word, but also really making, instead of the big thing I'm trying to do, and, and I've been doing this, it, I guess, now for maybe 15 years, is trying to integrate my whole body, not just my mm you know, have it just a brain on a stick, you know, <laughs> not, not be that, but integrate my whole body, maybe pray as I'm walking or do, do things that are maybe pray in a different body position, perhaps um, on the ground or, or standing with my arms out or something that really integrates my whole organism in, mm. into the spiritual life and practices. So, so some of that might include that or, um, and then the final one I really enjoy because, again, I've studied a lot of, memorized a lot of scripture as a little girl and really enjoyed scripture is the Lexio Divina, which is just four parts. Probably, I'm sure you've talked about it plenty of times here, but just the scripture reading with meditation, prayer, and reflection. And that kind of slows that way down, uh, slows the reading way down so you can really enjoy it and really chew on it and let it kind of absorb into your self. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I like how you, um, you kind of gave us a buffet there of options. Um, you know, but here, but here's the deal, right? Every, every day is different. I think some people miss the mark by thinking it must be this way at this time each day. Um, and, and the truth is centering down, uh, coming back to that alignment. Uh, there's a lot of ways and it can happen at a traffic light, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. there's a, there's a lot you can do there when, um, I'm curious about, this is a bit off script. I'm, I'm curious about your journey. Um, you speaking, speaking in terms of bodily knowing, right. And some, maybe mm -hmm. some Eastern Orthodox, uh, uh -huh. consciousness that we often miss over here in the States. Um, uh -huh. at what point in your journey did, uh, some of that wisdom cross, cross your path? 
probably when I was in seminary and exposed to um, the apostolic fathers, uh, you know, so the Coptic Christians or the Egyptian Christians, they really trace their roots back to literally Mark <laughs> 60 AD. So they go that far back. And so some of their practices are just different than, than Western modern Americans that are really, especially Protestants, they're very enlightenment mm -hmm. influenced. Mm -hmm. And just reading about, um, especially the desert fathers and mothers in like the 300s, 400s, 500s, and so on, um, how they went out to these desert places, had a very simplified life, and were spending a lot of their time in prayer and imitating how Jesus went went out to the wilderness. And just that simplification, um, it, it's, it's also kind of austere. You know, they were ascetics. They weren't eating mm -hmm. very much. Mm -hmm. But there's something about sort of, um, now, don't get me wrong. I am a nerd's nerd. I love studying. <laughs> I love finding out things. But I do find that I get caught up in just the thinking mm. part of, of Christianity or of spirituality. And I find that... Um, that is a, a detriment to mm. me. It, it separates me from my, my whole self. Mm -hmm. And as I began um, dealing with some trauma and doing some healing from past wounds, I realized that a lot of that was trapped within me physically mm. and was essentially learning a lot about neuroscience and um, reading uh, The Body Keeps the Score. If anybody's yep. read, <laughs> read that, right? So it's, you realize that, um, your body, which is not lingual, this is the non-lingual part of mm -hmm. the brain and the body, um, has its own memories. And so you, that's why you might get shaky when you start recalling something um, that was traumatic. You might actually get the shakes or something like that. That's what would happen to me. So I realized if I want to involve my whole self and heal my whole self, I have to get back to some of the ways other people were doing things. Other mm -hmm. people were, were praying and resting in the Lord and just explore some of that. How do other people do it from other cultures and other times? Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And, you know, I think one of the invitations that, that, that I've had, um, I think my, my kind of new realm of being new consciousness, if you will, started about 10 years ago in 2012. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I, and I think, one of the great invitations that, that I offer folks now is, you know, there's so much of our tradition, about half of it, that mm -hmm. I really was never exposed to. Same to you, right. probably, right? It's not right. anyone's fault, right? It's <laughs> just, it, it's, there's no need to play the victim and blame anyone, but there is mm -hmm. a world of wisdom available to us, a whole different um, way of knowing, a way of unknowing, by the way. Let us, yeah. let us not... To totally say that it's all certitude and new answers and the right answers, right? Like <laughs> they're comfortable with mystery. They're comfortable in metaphor. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And and truthfully, I think all of us that are on the contemplative path at some point, it no longer becomes interesting with having the right answers. We start getting way more curious about having the right questions, right? We're not always yeah. d demanding yeah. of the answers. It's kind of yeah. how can we dance with these beautiful questions of what it means to be human, what it means to be connected to the divine, to your neighbor, uh, and so forth. Yeah. And living the questions out too. Mm -hmm. It's you live them out and you get more questions and that's okay. Then you live those ones out, but, it, but you're, 
you're discovering and becoming and discovering and becoming you do you don't arrive and mm -hmm. i think that's that's part of staying a student and staying humble like as children as, as jesus asks us to come he doesn't say come as an adult who has it all figured out yeah. it's come as a children and learn and grow and to be humble and and have your hubris in check you have to be like yeah i don't I really don't understand God. I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm trying to love God as best I can at this moment. But yeah, I don't actually know a lot of things. And I, I mean, I remember when I was 15 and I knew everything, right? <laughs> remember those days. But the more we actually know about any subject, we usually come into this kind of humbling moment. We're like, I actually don't know anything. Beginner's mind. Right. And it's, it can be, um, it, it can be humbling, but that's, that's kind of the beauty of knowing any, even any person, we realize mm -hmm. any person is also their own whole universe to discover, but how much more is our creator, our sustainer, a, a universe of universes, you know, yeah, to, yeah. to know and learn and understand. Yeah. Discovering and becoming, discovering and becoming. I'd never thought of that through the lens of childlikeness, right? Like, like being, being a child, yeah. like they are, they're in constant yeah. discovery, mm -hmm. and yet mm -hmm. they are also becoming. They are being transformed, but they're discovering new things. And the telltale sign, you and I know this, you can spot it from a mile away. When someone's in that season of discovery, right, um, yeah. they're alive. They've got some mm -hmm. zest to them. They've got a little pop mm -hmm. in their step because, um, my goodness, the universe is a sandbox, and it just yeah. keeps going. Versus, mm -hmm. this is how it is how the cow ate the cabbage. This is how it works. And you should and also all... being defensive of that. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's yeah. this way. And I'm defensive of that. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. to defend God and I have to defend dogma. And I, it's like, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, that could be, I could be wrong. And, and okay to, okay to be like, God can defend God's self. Um, I'm trying to learn the best I can. And I, I have shortcomings. Maybe the next person does know quite a bit more than me. How mm -hmm. would I know? You know, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that idea of, Children are joyful when they're learning too, usually um, when they're, I mean, I shouldn't say that for every single subject in school or something, <laughs> but but when a child is interested in learning something, there's so much joy there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that kind of pure joy that, that God delights in seeing within us too. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, well, that's a perfect gateway into the wild land within. Um your book that you put into the world, a beautiful read, um, which I think is a, uh, if, if anyone's here listening today and, and they're like, what on earth are these two talking about? Uh, probably, <laughs> a, probably a great doorway into uh, the contemplative life, um, a new way of being, new lenses of seeing. Uh, 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 maybe I'm dancing around, uh, giving your book um, kind of an idea of what's there. But let's start with like, why this book? Why now? Like, what was the genesis mm -hmm. of when you set out to write The Wild Land Within? You know, why'd you do it? It was such a long time in coming, Ashton. I, I was thinking about certain subjects of this book since 2009 when I was still in school hmm. and thinking like, what would I want to tell people, um, you know, certain things about healing, certain things about God, certain things we maybe assume... Um, you know, different things I was learning and wanting people to grow in intimacy. Uh, I had blogged about it for a really long time. And when I got a podcast, the 
Broadleaf Books was my publisher. They, they were just great. It was wonderful to work with the editor there that I had. And they took a chance on me, I think, because I had a podcast and I had like possibly people, mm -hmm. an audience yeah. <laughs> at that point. Um, so it really got put together over the years and, and also with some of the people who taught me along the way, the, the mentors I had along the way that, like I mentioned, Howard Thurman and just other people who, um, who, who taught me the best lessons, I guess mm -hmm. you could say. So, um, but the wildland within really just speaks to our interior world, our interior life, all the realest things about us that are true and that are unseen. You can't really measure them, but they make us who we are. So that can be anything from our ambitions and our dreams, our hopes and our fears to traumas and experiences and joys and goals. But sometimes we give those um, things words like heart or mind. And to me, those are kind of confusing, trivialized words at this point. So I just wanted to call the interior life uh, in, in a way to integrate us a little bit better as well. But we're really talking about something that Jesus talked about when he spoke about the four soils and this kind of land mm. that can be different terrain. You know, it's like he was speaking about something invisible as a metaphor. And I'm using, a I'm expanding the metaphor. I'm saying, except besides soils, what if there was climates? And what if we talked about climates and weather in, mm. in these climates? And I really wanted to explore the inner life as an entire world. Yeah, I love that. Well, and and I I, th I I see just three things jump out to me. I see this idea of wild, right, which is mm -hmm. kind of the, a, a bit. There, there's there's the tone of wilderness that's there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I see land. I, I, when I yeah. think of land, I think of terrain. I think of soil. I think of cultivation, mm -hmm. and I think of within, uh, mm -hmm. which I think is the biggest aha uh, of those of us that would say moving into contemplative space is. Um, you learn that it's an inside job mm. and um, yeah. it's not actually everything that's going out there going on outside of you is affecting what's in but it no no actually what's happening in the land within is going to dictate what you see out here in front exactly. in, 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 in front of you and so um, I guess out of those three big ideas and words wild and land and within like where 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 was the the juice of of your writing? Like, was it with the idea of land? Was it in that idea of cultivating this soil, planting seeds so that something can grow and bloom and harvest? T talk to me about that. Well, you know how a book gets its title. It is like going through this whole thing, and there's like a, a you know a team of specialists, and you would be surprised at how this goes back and forth sometimes. Yeah, so it's, it's I pretty scientific, real fast. Oh my gosh, you know, the marketing people and then the editors and it goes back and forth. Sometimes you have no control at all over your title. And I had a bit of control, but really the final say-so is up to the people who are trying to sell the book. So, um, but I would say that I was happy with the title. I, I was less happy with the subtitle because it's not just about spiritual practices. There's a lot of things. There's a spiritual practice in every at the end of every chapter of the book. But really, you could probably say wild is the most important part of those mm. three words, because I wanted to go to the places people don't want to talk about or go to mm. the scariest places within us, which are in shadow, which are unknown or semi known, and the places that we fear, because we are reluctant sometimes to go to them. And, and, um, or the wounded places mm. Now we all have them because we are all alive and we all experience disappointments or hurts, but sometimes we don't, 
we will actually engage in spiritual practices. And I, I didn't read a single book that covered this. And this is, this is actually something I, I thought I said to my publisher, why didn't anybody ever cover this ever? I've never seen it. It was that if you're doing spir certain spiritual practices, you pick up a new one. Um, let's say you're doing Lexio Divina or you're doing a specific one. If you engage in it deeply, you might actually find less peace at first. And mm. people think they're doing it wrong or they blame themselves. What's wrong with me? I'm feeling more angry now. Why is that? Or this memory just popped up and now I feel really bitter. But that's the practice mm -hmm. doing its job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what the spirit wants is bring that up, bring it to the surface, to the light, and let's look at it and heal it and move all the way through that pain to the other side. And I wanted people to, to do some of the practices, but also realize that uh, God wants to shed light on those shadow areas. And it doesn't mean you'll be all tame inside, but it does mean that everything within this wild land can be lush and, mm. and full of life. And it doesn't have to be these barren places or these, you know, I call them fire bogs, mm -hmm. kind of these like lava flows that mm -hmm. are just full of ongoing pain. Uh, of course, we'll always, because we're human beings, we're going to always have places of continual ongoing pain mm -hmm. for different things we grieve or, um, you know, things that don't resolve. But I just wanted to address that head on and, and not be fearful of it. Talk about befriending our fears instead of, um, you know, murdering them or yeah. <laughs> whatever it is that people sometimes think, you know, no fear. It's like, well, <laughs> fear, is, fear is healthy. It keeps us alive. And if we befriend it, ask it questions, begin to understand it, we don't have to do what are our trigger mm -hmm. responses, which are fight, flight, freeze and fawn. Yep. That's how we all deal with fear and any kind of triggering thing. But what if we put in a little bit of reflection in there and, and ask some questions and just began to grow in some of those spaces and places? Yeah, that's beautiful. I, you know, and that's right. I, I haven't ever had that dialogue with someone on here about, I mean, is it our psyche? Is it the subconscious becoming conscious that can sometimes frustrate us in those moments? I mean, mm. It's true. Like you give yourself over to some of these practices mm -hmm. and yeah, the shadow can be exposed and there can be a, a little, it's, it's a bit clunky. There's a glitch there. <laughs> There's like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't want to see that. Um, yeah. and, and yet what you're saying is, in order for transformation to take place, in order for liberation uh, to to bloom in in one's life, um, we got to move into the the wild landscape and and look at some of these places, uh, befriend them a bit, um, and and once we get to know them a little bit better, then maybe we can understand if they're true or false, right? I, I think that's you know oh there's yeah. that thought that I've had for twenty years. Let's right. look, let's look at it. Maybe let's, yeah. let's turn it around a bit. Let's dance with it. Is it right. true or not? Well, it's probably not true. Okay. Well then mm -hmm. how do I handle that? So right. I think that's what you're getting at when you talk about maybe some immediate frustration in moving into some of these quiet places of our, of our interior yeah. landscapes. Yeah. There's shadow. Sometimes we think whatever is in shadow must, must be horrific. I don't want to look there. Mm -hmm. It's painful. I don't, must you know maybe there's monsters there <laughs> then you look and you're like okay not great not perfect but you know that's not a monster that's you know that's just a, a mm -hmm. bug we mm -hmm. can get you know it's 
it's usually we are fearing what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And God wants us to know ourselves. You know, as, as we know ourselves, we actually feel more intimacy with God because we understand how God understands us so, so fully. Mm -hmm. God already understands us but we don't even understand ourselves. Mm. So as we learn to understand ourselves and, and have not understand ourselves in this, like berating, like, oh, you're so messed up. You're such a mess. Like, wow, God already understood that part of me still loves me just as much. Now I could, hopefully that grace that God has, we kind of metabolize it and mm. then do the same for other people. Right. We're like, boy, I really struggled with that. Now I know what it's like to struggle with that. Anybody else who struggles with whatever that mm -hmm. is, I get it. And now I can be gracious to them, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, out of that experience. Yeah. Naming the struggle. So many of the, so many of the practices for, for me, what they have done is help me give names to things that have been in the shadow without a name. Right. Yes. And so it's, it's, you feel the weight things feel chaotic and complicated. Yeah. And when you move into the stillness and the simple and quiet, things become a little more simple and quiet. This is what I tell people all the time. Yeah. If your life feels chaotic and complicated, chances are your psyche is pretty chaotic and complicated. If yeah. you want a life of simplicity and quietness, maybe you need to just do some simple things and have a little mm. bit of quiet every once in a while. It's kind of what you get. You get what you give, right? Yeah. Um, we don't need to overthink yeah. this. But I, I you, right. you, you sharing that is helping me discover. Oh yeah, sometimes finding the name of something that's been hiding uh -huh. in the psyche in the dark, yeah, it's yeah. a bit painful. But once I can name it. Yeah. Then, then I can kind of walk out from that place a bit better. You have a, you have a reference point. And, and that's the thing is like shining a light on something, going into that territory, you know, you're finally going there and you couldn't see before in that shadow. Now, when you're in there, mm -hmm. God's Holy Spirit, like shines a light. Oh, that's what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not perfect, but okay, we mm -hmm. can do this. And then you're like, okay, it has a name now and we're moving. We're, we're going to, take that and move forward. But, but unless you go there, I'm not going there. I don't yeah. even know what's in there. Yeah. So yeah, it's exactly. And it's, it's being brave enough to do that, knowing that God is giving you, God is saying, you're ready for this now. Hmm. Let's go in this together. Let's go to this part together. And I'm with you. And the, the strength is there. Like you don't have to have courage all by yourself and all alone. And I, I want to tell people that this, this book, I want people to do this book. I hope in groups of two or more, because I think it helps to have the buddy system and that Christianity, and it doesn't have to be just for Christians, but that's my, that's where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. Christianity is not a self-help tactic. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's done in community because that's how we, we do it. We share each other's burdens. We don't do self-help because self-help is, it, it ends with us, you know, but community extends beyond us and in, into, into, to others that aren't even in our group. And that's the whole point is that it's not just for us. It's yeah. not just for ourselves or just for our in group, but that it, it just keeps pouring out. And so that's what a generative life offers. A healed life is a generative life that continues to give hmm. beyond itself. Yeah. Well said. Um, speaking of kind of naming things, uh, and we're going to talk about maybe uh, letting go of some names here on this, mm -hmm. on the idea of 
God being no thing. God is no thing. You were featured not long ago in one of the CAC's daily meditations. Um, and uh, this this can feel dangerous to some folks within our tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I always kind of begin mm-hmm. and I well, let's 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 pause for a radio timeout here and, and always go, mm-hmm. hey, this next yeah. dialogue, uh, for mm-hmm. those of us that may hear this and immediately were a bit offended or feeling like we need to defend the divine, I would just ask, mm-hmm. kind of open your hands a bit, open the heart space, just hear mm-hmm. what Lisa and I may, may be chatting through here. You wrote, um, sometimes other names can help disrupt our hardened and limited concepts of God. Divine love, mystery, source. And so... I have a comfort level using divine love, using mystery, using source. Maybe it's my Enneagram four wing that, that is the world <laughs> I live in. Um, but how how has inviting these these new interchangeable names with the divine opened you up, given you greater capacity of love? allowed you to walk with more of love and peace and patience and kindness in your life. I, I, I think I, yeah. I think this is a very, very delicate conversation to have because sometimes you lose half the room when, <laughs> yeah. when you say, well, we're going to leave the, the, the name God for a second. And right, right. we're not doing that. Uh, no, no. We're just, we're asking for maybe some parentheses with that, like yeah. s- s- something after yeah. this or, or some, some other ideas to grow the container a bit. Well, yeah, because, well, if you just think about like outside of Christianity, if you say God, everybody has an idea of what that is. It might, might not be what your idea is, right? Yeah. So we know that the word God is this kind of hijacked word. And some of my favorite ways, uh, some of my favorite names for God are shepherd, savior, creator, um, not actually God, because I find that it's been just, this word's been just trampled over by just about everybody has gotten this shot yeah. at this word. And it, I feel like it's been polluted. Um, but in terms of God being quote, no thing is that it's really important that what we wind up doing is important that we know that we as human beings, and especially as Americans, we objectify things, including God. It's really important that um, we don't, begin doing that we even objectify ourselves because our nature is to be manipulative and our culture encourages us Mm. to be like this so we will objectify anything we don't truly know or love so if we start thinking that god is some kind of thing that we can grasp and manipulate god is in a literal sense no thing because god is a person and has a has a ontologically speaking is not a thing it cannot be contained and cannot be located omnipresent um, and omniscient but is also it's important to metabolize this and to begin understanding this this is a deep mystery that we engage in in our whole lives in a relationship with you know the person of persons is it most complicated and complex hard to understand being that we could know in in the godhead but the godhead isn't things the godhead is persons Mm -hmm. and we're not you're supposed to um love persons and use things but sometimes we do the opposite Mm -hmm. we'll you know use persons and love things and so it's the same as how we're supposed to treat humans too we're supposed to love them not use them so when we begin to think of god as 
a thing, which I think that's what happens when we overuse a word like God. I believe that it becomes objectified and we think this is this thing I can contain and it means this one thing. Mm. It's like, well, if God just means one thing, I think we've already gone into that territory of objectifying, which is really to our to our detriment. It will stunt our growth. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and we we love control, right? We can <laughs> we, we can control the object, right? We can do mm-hmm. what sure. we can do whatever we want it or need it to do. Um, and you know, you and I have heard this idea that a lot of times we argue. We, you know, we're trying to just talk about the moon, but we argue about the finger pointing to the moon. <laughs> you, right. you know, and right. and at the end of the day, you know, this is that w- wordless knowing. You know, the apophatic mm-hmm. theology. I think that mm-hmm. um, it's you know when you go to school for as long as we all do, it's kind of like words are it, right? If we can't get it in words, then where are we going to get it? And mm-hmm. and yet, and maybe this is second half of life stuff. I don't know. But at at, at some point, you just kind of go, the words aren't cutting it for me anymore. I need mm. I need something deeper and wider. Uh, and any any word that could totally encompass uh, the divine, we're, we're probably missing the mark a bit on that, right? You know, it's all yeah. all metaphors limp a little bit. Um, <laughs> right, right. And so I, I think. I think your invitation to wordless knowing ex- mm-hmm. is is huge, and part of the book I think lends itself to some of that, you know, some of that thinking. Right, and and it's just to say that there's many more ways to learn about something than language. We already know this because we know that you can learn about someone and be have an intimacy with someone by paying attention to them, by presence, but just being in the same space, learning the body language, learning the facial expressions with engagement. Those are all non-word based mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. right? And and you know, anybody you really know, you know different looks, they give you what they mean. And that's the same way it is with the person of God, the persons, the three persons of God. You, you know when you've had enough intimacy and presence with God, all the you begin to know the ways of God and that's not language based. It, yep. Of course, the Bible is very important. Read all the scripture you can get your hands on and read it as many times as you possibly can. But there is also a way of being in the presence of God that doesn't have anything to do with language. It has something to do with faithfulness, attention. Um, and it's just kind of, um, I mean, and that's kind of maybe where it gets mystic because you can't quite explain exactly what you're talking about but if you're with someone you love you you know that you're with them and you're enjoying yourself and it's it's a pleasure and i think that that's sometimes we don't even get to that point because we're too busy checking off the different boxes Mm. that that are part of the to-do list and if somebody was doing that who wanted to spend time with me right i'd be like i got other things to do hey we ate dinner we ate dinner check (laughs) We had that yeah, conversation like, check. Yeah. I, I asked for this. I asked for this. I asked for, I'd be like, you know what? You obviously have other things that you'd rather do. Go ahead. N- not a problem. We'll, we'll just do this sometime when you, when you want to do it. But you know, um, it's, it's just true how we, we don't, and this is what I mean by treating God like a thing. We understand how people work basically with personalities and things like that. But sometimes, I mean, so oftentimes we think of God must be, so different Hmm. like well if if we think of just how relationships work and just apply them 
in extremely similar ways about consideration and respect and love and intimacy and spending time with just the lover of your soul, your creator, and just get kind of get in our mindset of a different shift of mindset. Like you don't have to do anything special. Mm -hmm. If you're with someone you love, you can just eat together Mm -hmm. or you can just watch a show. You could like, it doesn't have to be this huge, massive ceremony. It doesn't have to be. No agenda attached. Yeah. Just, just hang out, like go for a walk and do a little prayer or, you know, like it really doesn't have to be a big deal. Like if, if somebody thought, okay, well, if I'm going to hang out with Lisa, we have to have a seven course meal. She's going to be super disappointed. And then we have to go see up in the skyscraper. I'd be like, really? You don't know me at all. I totally would just like to do coffee and cookies. That's fine. You know, so it's, it's really interesting. Of course, God doesn't require that of us, but sometimes we get our heads a little bit, you know, uh, twisted with that, I think. Yep. Yep. Well said. So um, I know that anytime you put a book into the world, that opens up all new conversations and new paths and new relationships and things like that. Since, since it's been into the world, um, what's like something new that's been keeping you curious? Hmm. I've got a lot of new authors or I shouldn't say new authors, but more people coming into my life for podcasts and uh, book endorsements and things like that, which has been really fun. I, course have my podcast where I interview authors and things like that um and I'm I just am such a nerd too so I wind up getting interested in things like neuroscience and brain plasticity and how that relates to spiritual practices and transformation in terms of Christ-likeness so some of those things I'm kind of delving into I'm trying to work on a second book for a proposal and I'm hoping to to kind of delve into some of these things a little bit more with that nice Beautiful. I love it. And, and I always ask everyone that comes on, um, what advice would you give to your younger self? That's a, uh, such a good question. And, um, you know, I, I actually wound up kind of revisiting that question, like, um, in a, in a different way too. sort of what would, what would myself 10 years from now say to myself now? Hmm. And, and it's usually that, you know, we usually tell ourselves the same sort of thing. It's going to be okay. You have enough, you have enough strength. You have enough. God is going to be with you. Um, if you feel anxious or afraid or hopeless, you have everything you need. Um, it's going to get better. If it's bad now, it's going to get better. That's, <laughs> those types of comforting things, right? And I, I realize that's what I would always tell my younger self. And I'm thinking, why don't I tell myself that now for my future <laughs> me? <laughs> my future me just yes. telling me now too. Um, and I think that's a, that's kind of an interesting way to encourage ourselves because we know there will be a, a future wiser self that could say that back to us now. No doubt. Well, well said. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm super glad that we got some time to, to connect today and, and learn more about your story. Uh, you've got an open door here anytime you want to come back and, and chat Thank about you. new ideas and things that you've got going on. Uh, the wild land within my senses are, it can be found Anywhere good good books are bought and sold, get it on Amazon, find it online. Maybe for some of our viewers that want to follow kind of you specifically in, in, in your work that you're doing, where would you invite them to go to? Well, you can Google me, Lisa DeLay or Lisa Cologne DeLay. I would love to have you listen to my podcast, which you can find at sparkmymuse.com or lisadelay.com. And um, 
going to probably do another book cohort where we go through each chapter together. It would be really fun to do that maybe towards the end of the summer um, in, in 2022. So if you wind up being a paid subscriber, you will automatically can come into the book cohort and we can do that. We did that in, we started at the end of February and ended in May and it was just such a neat time uh, where we are all kind of discussing different chapters together and going over some of the concepts and doing it together is just so encouraging. Yeah. So I was kind of reading my own book in a way for a new first time. Do you know right. what I mean? Like, no, tell me, tell me what you are thinking and what, what that was like for you. And it, it was like getting um, mentored by, it was just so the neat. whole new and, experience. And so, yeah, yeah, I loved it. And the community of of working through harder things together, it, it really takes the teeth out of it. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate that. And so if anybody wants to um, join up for that, there'll probably be stuff, announcements going out through the newsletter, which is part of the Substack stuff. And I would just you know, love to have people. Very cool. That. Very cool. Well, Lisa, I'm super grateful uh, that we've struck up a friendship here. And um, like I said, glad to have you back anytime. Keep staying curious and uh, thank you for putting good things into the world and um, keeping us on the path of staying centered and aligned uh, with the things in life that uh, we all want to be. So super grateful for you and thanks for coming on today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. You bet. You bet.